What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today in the Vivid Seat Studio for our Week 7 Picks of the Week episode is my ever-diligent co-host, Charlie. And, guys, i got to give Charlie some props here. She had what I would say almost certainly was her best overall week last week, going 6-4, and four, both straight up and against the spread. And I'm going to focus on against the spread there, Charlie, because... Like you've been actually good straight up. You've you've been able to pick winners. That's that's been great. I feel like you're patronizing me. I'm not. I wanted to give you like I know you felt bad. Like we've talked about this off the air. You felt bad about your against the spread picks. It's uh, all a guessing game. But well, now yeah, you're just patronizing me. I'm not at all. But like against the spread hasn't been great for you this year. But you you actually beat all of us last week. You went six and four against the spread. So do you feel like you've turned the corner a little bit? I mean, I did my best. So if I beat you, well, I beat you. Well, you did. So your best was better than, oh. than what I brought to the table. Good. It wasn't my best last week. There's no doubt there. So even though Charlie did have a good week, like any week, there are some embarrassing picks that we have to own. Really not too many this time. Uh, a lot of the ones I lost this week were close losses, but they're losses. Nonetheless, close doesn't matter. But uh, not so much the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game. Charlie and I both took the Commodores to beat Ole Miss in Oxford outright, like to pull the ups. I think they were a seven-point underdog in that one. And yeah, that didn't work out so well with the doors getting just blown out on the road 31-16. It actually was a close game at half 10-6. And I was thinking maybe they can pull this out. But no, Ole Miss and John Rice Plumley dominated the second half. So Charlie, I don't know about you, but here in week seven, after that embarrassment of a pick, I'm ready to officially say I will never pick Vanderbilt to win a game again the rest of the year. You with me? I'm just always hopeful. Really? They'll do well. Well, not well, if they screwed me. They made, that I, was embarrassing. I don't know. Oh, my if God. If I could have gone to private school, I would have gone there. But that but, wasn't in the car. No, you, no, you would have gone to Georgia. It doesn't matter. You want to Georgia. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Nope, 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 nope. Always Georgia. Um, I honestly, I'm, I probably won't even pick Vanderbilt to cover a spread the rest of the way. I, I didn't include them on the picks this week. They're playing UNLV at home, and I, I'm just mad at them, so they're not even on the pick. So, I don't know. Can't do it anymore. Uh, but really, that was the only terrible pick we have to own this week. It was bad, but that's about it. The other ones that we lost were close. Miami lost on a late touchdown after storming back from a 28-0 deficit against Virginia Tech. Iowa, I they couldn't manage to find the end zone even one time and lost 10-3. Washington screwed me, man. Absolutely wet the bed against a bad Stanford team, a bad Stanford team. And I watched that entire game, and the big takeaway for me in that one was that Jacob Eason, for better or worse, is still very much the, the Jacob Eason we saw in 2016. I really like the guy, and I wish him well, but man, I don't know how much he's progressed. And then we lost the Bo Nix game, uh, in, or the Auburn game. Bo Nix just gave the game to Florida in that top 10 matchup in Gainesville. And that, that was a one-score game most of the way. Uh, and Auburn had plenty of chances, man. They had plenty of chances to take the lead, but Nix just kept giving it away and giving it away with some just truly dreadful turnovers. So one bad, one, a couple other, other ones that we lost, but those were at least reasonable. But as for our season totals, Charlie again had a good week going 6-4 and four straight up. And after struggling to start the season against the spread, had the best week of all of us against the spread and went 6-4 and four to put her running season total at 40-23 straight up and 28-35 and against the spread. She gained some ground last week. Uh, G had a great week, man. He really did. go um, Straight up, he had a great week going 7-3. and three. He went 5-5 five and five against the spread, which now puts our guest host straight up totals at 46-17. and 17, And they're against the spread total at 32-31. and 31. I... Don't even want to talk about what I did last week. I had by far my worst week to date on this season, going 5-5 five and five straight up, and oh my god, 4-6 and six against the spread. No bueno. Uh, I, I did take some flyers last week, hoping to kind of put some more distance between myself and everyone else, and literally none of them paid off. Not one of them paid off. So now I have fallen behind our guest host in the straight up picks with a running total of 44-19, and 19, so two games back there. But even with the terrible week against the spread, I still do have the lead there with a 36-28 and 28 record against the spread for the season. But this is going to be a bounce-back week for me. I'm bouncing back from that. I can feel it. It's coming. It's going to happen. And joining us today to represent our loyal listeners is a guy that we are really excited to bring on the show today. He's been a long-time and very enthusiastic listener, one of, one of our, our biggest supporters. He's really always put some great thoughts on social media. So it's kind of a no-brainer to bring him in today. And that is Mr. Joshua Stevens. Josh, welcome to yes. the Glory Day Podcast, my friend. 
Oh, man, thank you. It is such an honor and such a privilege to be on. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I'm so glad and so excited for this. That's awesome to hear, man. We are, and we are equally as excited to have you on. There's no doubt about it. And, Josh, we know you're a big Georgia fan. We know that. But tell us a little bit more about yourself. What do we need to know about you? Well, um, I am born and bred from Athens uh, in the classic city. Um, I've been a dog fan since diapers. Uh, if you if you cut me little bulldogs and run out, um, <laughs> I, um, I've moved to Columbia, South Carolina. Um, the funny thing is my wife works for South Carolina and I work for Clemson, but we are the biggest dog fans that you would ever see in your life. I um, love that you're kind of under the radar, like you go in undercover. Yeah, I'm I'm slowly converting fans over to the dogs. Um Doing the I, Lord I, I, listen, I listen to the show, uh the the listener um mailbag show and you and Charlie were talking about the referees and um uh, the funny thing is I'm actually a referee on the side. So it was a uh, bittersweet because I agree with you guys. The referees last game were awful, but I couldn't be too harsh because I actually do it as a side profession. So no, uh, yeah, yeah I, and, I, I, and I, see that's the thing. Like I like when I hear people talk about like you know hey they're in somebody's pocket. I'm like you guys are crazy. Like no one's in anybody's pocket. It's a difficult job. Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. But I just don't buy the whole conspiracy theory that like these refs are out there getting paid and then you know like Nick Saban's got them all on the side there. I just I don't buy that, but. Uh, yeah, the ones on Saturday they, that was rough, but but you're right, man. Like yeah. we 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 notice when they do things wrong because it is so important to us. But really, on the whole, they do a pretty good job. They really do. Yeah, yeah, and, and we try. We train well. We take classes nonstop. Um, but I completely understand the the point. Um, it's it's like you said, the one job where you can be wrong and it's okay. But I, yeah. I try my best <laughs> to to think about the calls and uh, make the best decisions possible. But um, I love it. It's fun. It's the closest I can be to the game right now. So I, I really enjoy it. That's really cool. And I, I just want to follow up with that real quick because, I mean, that's really interesting. I've never actually talked to someone who is a referee. Um, mm-hmm. What is – because I, I can't – honestly, I would never do it because I just – you're always <laughs> you're always making somebody angry, right? No matter what yeah, call you yeah. you're making somebody happy and somebody's angry. So you, someone's always against you. But what is yeah. it about referee that makes it – or officiating – that makes it uh, that difficult? What is the most difficult part of that job? Well, the, the thing is understanding the fact that um, you, you are a part of the game without being a player in the game. And you know every decision that you make affects the game one way or another. Um, you have to accept the responsibility that there are going to be certain times where people are going to hate you. And there are going to be other times where people love you. Um, for me, I've played football my entire life, and uh, when I hung up my cleats and my pads, I still had a thirst for the game. So it was the closest way for me to be close to the game and still not play. So I, um, when I had the opportunity, I jumped at it. Uh, I, I love it. It's, um, it's very rewarding, even though you deal with some ridicule at times. There's no doubt. That's that's really cool, man. I, I've, again, I've never actually talked to someone who does uh, officiating on the side yeah. there. It's cool to get that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I, I have to bring this in here. So I remember you put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, um, and you kind of yeah. one-up Charlie. Like, you know, before the season, yeah. Charlie had a story about like, Kirby Smart. She was running here in Athens. He waved to her from his truck while he's going to while he's going to practice one morning in the preseason. And then you tweet out a picture uh, a week or two later of you and Kirby together. Um, <laughs> I think you're actually in your officiating gear. So you kind of like, obviously playfully, but kind of called her out like, like, look who's the big dog now. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it might have taken a little bit of Charlie's soul, but how exciting was it to be there? Oh, man, it was the thrill of a lifetime. Um, I'm normally not starstruck, but when I saw him, like uh, all the, the, the fan in me went crazy and I was uh, – I almost ran in place. I was so excited. Um, when, I, <laughs> when I talked to him, um, I told him I appreciate everything that he does for the school. I love what he's doing with the team. And he actually told me, um, I appreciate what you do. It's hard to find reps nowadays that are actually committed to the game. And uh, he said, thank you so much for all you do. and Keep up the good work. Um, uh, Charlie, um, I didn't mean to take your – the wind out of your sail, but I, I just when I had the opportunity, I was like, I have to tell Charlie. 
It's okay. My day, my day might come in the future. I, I still would say, and nobody knows this guy is outside of a few people here in Athens, but uh, I still say she was more excited to see and like wave to Jeff Wallace when she was running a couple uh, was, weeks before that. Who is the Georgia <laughs> winner? I was speechless and jumping up and down in place, and my friend was like, "What is happening? Who is this random ball guy?" <laughs> Um, wow yeah that's awesome very cool josh man very cool we're really excited to have you on but are you ready to make some picks yes i'm ready let's go let's do this all right charlie what do you got for us today all right we're gonna start this thing off with a bang this week and open with some of the biggest games on the schedule before working ourselves through the rest of the sec slate and then a few big national games of interest too and first up we have the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide traveling to College Station to take on Texas A&M as a 17-point road favorite. A&M famously beat Bama with Johnny Manziel back in 2012, but they haven't beaten Bama since then. Has it been that 2012? Long time. Oh, my God. It was that long ago? Wow. Lots of Wow. This will certainly be an uphill battle for the Aggies, but it is a home game for A&M. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to pick Bama to win and cover. Josh, what's your take? Um, I think this game is going to be um, pretty much clear cut. Um, even though the Bama team is not the team of old with the, the thunderous running game and the, dunning, the dominating defense, I'm going to take Bama with this one. I think Tua is playing at a very high level, completing 76.4% of his passes, averaging 11.6 yards attempt. So, that lets you know they're pushing the ball down the field. Um, all the receivers, the lowest average per catch is 12.8 yards, and that's Jerry Judy. So that tells you that these guys are a dynamic force, and with a, a healthy running game along with it, I just don't see a way that A&M is able to match up with them. Kelly Mon is playing good. Um, Spiller is playing all right. And I know Jimbo Fisher will have this team turned around in a couple of years, but right now I just don't understand how – a&M can really, really come into this game and uh, give Bama a problem, especially with Bama averaging 51.8 points a game. I'm going to take Bama with this one for the win and the cover. All right, Tyler, what's your game? Josh, okay. bringing the heat today, man. Love it. <laughs> that was great, man. That was awesome. I, I feel like a little insecure here now. In uh, <laughs> preparing for this show, like, I really like – I don't. We, I think we can all agree. Like none of us really like Alabama. It's great when Alabama loses. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. We want it to happen. Um, so I was looking, looking really hard. I kind of like for any path to victory for A and M in this game. But honestly, I'm kind of at a loss for them right now in this game. Like, yeah, are they good enough to score on Bama? Yeah, sure. You know, A and M or Bama's defense right now is 36 nationally, which is good, but it's not really Bama's standard. Um, and AM does have enough pieces at home to be able to make some plays and, and put some points on the board. They have a really good group of wide receivers. Mond is he's inconsistent, but he has playmaking ability. But the problem for AM right now is like they can't run the ball consistently. They're 97th nationally, and they're seemingly unwilling to, to use Kellen Mond in that role, which is going to make it a little tougher on them. Because I think right now, if you can, if you want to try to attack this man with defense, I think on the ground right now is the most obvious place to do so. We, we, you saw what Ole Miss was able to do to them a couple weeks back. I'm sure they're going to try to address that now, but I just don't know if AM is equipped to handle that. And stopping, as you were saying, Josh, stopping the, the high-power Bama offense, that's the big issue for AM right now. Uh, they did, like, you know, they did hold Clemson. AM did hold Clemson under 400 yards of offense. They're, they have a pretty strong defensive front with, with Matabuke up there, and they're, they're top 30 against the run. But the thing for, the, for them in this game is that's not really what Bama does anymore. Like, Bama doesn't really run the football. Uh, that's just not their, their game anymore. So I'm not sure how much that really helps them in this game. So like, when you look at all the matchups, I just I just don't know where their advantage is in this one. Uh, and Nick Saban coming off a bye with extra time to prepare, he's tough to beat, man. I, I will say, I think Kellen he could be the X factor if Jimbo will come out of the bye week committed to using Mon's legs as a feature part of their offense. But I've been waiting for that to happen for a while. I haven't seen it. hasn't done at this point, so I can't predict that this is going to be the week it happens. And honestly, I've watched three full AM games this year, and it's just hard to put – it's one of those things that's hard to put my finger on, but there's just something missing there. So give me Bama to win and cover. I'm with you guys. I just haven't seen enough from AM to this point to give me any reason to believe that they're going to be able to cover, let alone pull the upset. All right. Next up, we have what is no doubt the biggest game of the biggest week of the season to date as the seventh-ranked Florida Gators travel to take on number five LSU. 
It's a top 10 matchup, but the odds makers don't see it being a close game as they have the Tigers as a 12-point home favorite. I am going to pick LSU to win, but I think Florida will cover. Josh, what's your take? Um, I think this Florida team is sneaky good. I don't think they're a powerhouse yet. I think Dan Mullen is doing a good job, but I think there are a lot of holes in their team. Um, and I think the team is based around the defense, and the defense plays with a lot of swagger. Um, despite the Kentucky game, uh, Florida is only allowing 9.5 points a game. And for anybody in the country, that is outstanding. Um, they have 17 takeaways this season. Um, but I really feel like Joe Burrow and the Tigers are really clicking right now. Um, LSU, kind of like Bama, was known for their defense for the longest. And it, was, it seemed like years since they had a really good quarterback. And Joe Burrow has come in and really changed their narrative. Um, they're averaging 54.6 points a game. Um, off, the LSU's offense is really looking like a juggernaut. And um, I think LSU passed a hard test with Texas. I think Florida's win over Auburn. Um, while a good win, I don't think it was as big as um, some people make it seem. Bo Nix really looked like a freshman in that game, so that helped a lot. Um, I think both teams are dealing with injuries with Divinity and Rashawn Lawrence for LSU, and um, we don't even know if Trask will be 100% in this game. Zaniga, um, it's unclear if he will play. So I'm going to take LSU in the Death Valley at night, uh, for the win, but I do not think LSU will cover the spread. I think Florida's going to keep it close, and I think it's going to shape up to be a really good game. All right. Tyler, what's your pick? It's a great breakdown, Josh. Really great, man. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. I really am. I, I can't wait to watch this one Saturday night. And my first instinct in this game, after watching both teams a couple of times this year, was that LSU's just going to flat out destroy them. That, that was my first thought after the games on Saturday night, kind of thinking ahead to what was going to go down this week. But the more I thought about it over the course of the week, the more I backed off of that. I do think there actually there's some potential matches that might favor Florida. And, and you you were certainly spot on it there, uh, Josh, with, with with the Florida pass rush. Like We all know what Joe Burrow and the LSU offense have done this year. It's a different animal over there in Baton Rouge. But – they're a little bit one-dimensional right now. They're second in, in the nation in passing offense, but only 75th nationally in rushing offense. And I would say Florida is really the first truly good defense that they have played. And what they excel at, what Florida excels at, is getting after the passer and creating havoc. They're fifth nationally in sacks, fourth nationally in tackles for loss. And as good as the LSU offense has been, torching teams through the air, their offensive line, it's not, they're not a bad group, but they're not elite. And if you only have an okay offensive line and you match that with a below average rushing ga- rushing game that teams only have to respect, that can be a recipe for disaster against an elite rushing pass rushing team like Florida. So that's something to certainly watch. That matchup is going to be very interesting in this game. Now, saying that, Florida's on dial-up pressure, and Burrow, when they do that, Burrow's going to have chances to make them pay and hit some big plays. We saw Jake Fromm do that last, last year against Florida. But his offensive line is going to have to protect him. They're going to have to find some semblance of a run game to slow down the pass rush. I, I don't think – I'll say this. I don't think the LSU is going to have near as much success offensively against Florida as they have against everyone else on their schedule at this point. But I think they're going to have enough success. I don't think it's going to be a, a game where they throw for 400 yards and have 600 yards total offense. I don't see that. But I think they're going to do enough because this Florida offense is just underwhelming right now. They're, I guess, at best okay offensively. Certainly far from a dangerous offense. Trask, in some ways, the quarterback has been an upgrade over Felipe Franks. He's much more efficient. He's kind of eliminated those idiotic, game-changing turnovers. But he's not the runner Franks was, and he isn't as good of a fit for Dan Mullen's offense. I would say Mullen certainly does not have access to as much of his playbook with Trask quarterback as he did with Franks because Trask is just not a runner. So I guess I guess the way I would put this is I think Trask is a higher floor than Franks but a lower ceiling. And then the running game, it's entirely pedestrian. They had one long fluke run against Auburn. They broke it out for 88 yards, but they were shut down otherwise. They're only 89th nationally right now in rushing offense. And it's become popular over the past couple of weeks to say LSU, while their offense is amazing, that defense, man, that's a concern. And, and that's kind of been the narrative after giving up over 400 yards passing to Ellinger at, when they played at Texas and 38 points to Vanderbilt. But right now, if you look at it statistically – they're giving up less than 300 yards a game. They're only giving up 10 more yards a game than Florida is. And we're talking about how great that Florida defense is. So I think you got to put it in context there. And that LSU defense is talented. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries, as Josh mentioned. 
But at the end of the day, I will say, I think the Florida defense is good enough to give LSU some issues offensively, but I just don't have faith in that Florida offense to score enough points against what I believe is still a very talented LSU defense. And, I mean, come on, it's Death Valley at night. It's tough to go in there and win for anyone. And I'm with you, Josh. I don't. I think Florida's a good team. I still would not put them among the, the nation's elite. And right now, I, I think LSU is in that group. So give me LSU to win this game. But I'm with you guys. I think Florida's good enough defensively to at least keep them in check. So I'll take the Gators to cover. And before we get to our next game, I do want to remind everyone out there about mybookie.ag. Don't miss the action this week with South Carolina coming to town. MyBookie has that extra something for your enjoyment. Not only sides and totals, but they also have quarters and halves as well as in-game action. And of course, the Bulldogs to win it all. At last check, we're favored by 24 points with a total of 52 and a half. And that just scratches the surface. We've teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. All you have to do is sign up at mybookie.ag and use the promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. Well, the rest of the SEC slate is far less appetizing, but we do live in SEC country, so we are going to pick a few of these games. Our next game is Ole Miss at Mizzou. The Tigers have gone on a little run since the opening week loss at Wyoming. Still can't figure that one out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And I had them going 11-1 and one just to us, so this is not Well, they might end up 10-2. Well, yeah, let's hope. Uh, they haven't beaten anyone particularly impressive, but a win streak is a win streak. And they are favored by 11 and a hook at home. I'm going to take Mizzou to win and cover. Josh, what's your take? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with you. I think um, the, Myom, the Wyoming uh, loss was just out of this world confusing. Um, I think that Missouri is a very solid team. I'm not going to say they're elite. I think they're solid. Um, but I think they're going to have their hands full with this dual quarterback system that Ole Miss is running right now. And Plumlee is really providing a spark for Rebel Nation. Um, and I don't think that that's going to be something that Missouri is prepared for, but I think they'll be able to handle it. Um, my biggest concern is Kelly Bryant. Uh, he got hurt last week um, when his leg got rolled back on. Uh, he said that he's 90%, and I don't know if that's good enough. Um, I think there's a possibility that we will see backup Taylor Powell um, I think the offense looks different depending on the quarterback. I know they have a lot of similarities that they want to run, you know, no matter who's in. But I think Kelly Bryant is a step above. Um, I'm expecting big things from Albert O, um, Larry Roundtree. Um, the thing is, Mizzou's defense for me is going to be the deciding factor. Last week, um, Ole Miss rushed for over 400 yards, but Mizzou's defense is right now is only allowing 88.8 rushing yards and 138.8 passing yards per game. And they're also 10th in the nation with points allowed. Um, I think this is going to be a really good matchup, Mizzou's defense against Ole Miss's offense. Um, Matt Corral, I, he's less than impressive to me, um, only completing 66.7% of his passes with a QBR of 53.3. So you can see why Plumlee is starting to get in the game more. Um, I really think it's going to be tough for Ole Miss um, with their defense converting over to a 3-4. We've seen firsthand in 2016 um, how hard it is for new coordinators to come in and switch things up. Um, They do get Jalen Jones back, but he's coming back from an injury. I think Ole Miss is going to come out swinging, but I'm going to take Mizzou for the win and surprisingly for the cover. All right. Man, what a breakdown, Josh. You, you nailed that one. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to echo some things that Josh put out there. You know, with, with, with the change at quarterback with Plumlee going in, uh, Ole Miss has become a different offense. He's going to breathe some life into this offense. I, I will say he, while, while he has been very effective as a runner, and he just runs with kind of reckless abandon out there, just kind of putting his body out on the line. But he's still having a lot of trouble completing a forward pass. He's, of the, uh, his two starts, he's 20 of 46 combined for 240 yards. So it, it, not entirely inept there, but certainly still having some issues as a true freshman, as you would expect him to have. But he has been a revelation in the run game. And But the thing is, like, believe it or not, and Josh was kind of talking about this, that Missouri defense, he called it the X factor. I totally agree. Uh, guys, you might not realize this. That Missouri defense is the number one ranked defense in the SEC. 
right now. I know it's still early, but still, right now, they are the number one defense in the league, giving up only 227 yards a game. And their 12th nationally, giving up only 88 yards a, uh, a game on the ground. So that's not great news for Ole Miss, given that all they can really do right now is run the football. Uh, Josh mentioned Kelly Bryant did go out with injury last week. That he is expected to be back, although you don't know how that knee injury will affect his running ability, which is really part of what makes him special or makes him a good quarterback. Uh, so that's something to watch there. It gives me a little bit of pause. It, but I, I'm, I'm going to say in this game, I think the Plumlee story takes a little bit of a hit as Missouri wins and covers the 11 and a half. All right. Now let's travel to the Bluegrass State where Arkansas is visiting Kentucky. Both teams have struggled this year and both teams are coming off a bye. The Cats, however, are favored by six and a half points in Lexington. I'm going to take the Cats to win and cover. Josh, what's your take? Um, this game right is interesting to me right now um, in the fact that it will show which of these teams has the farthest to go. Kentucky is coming off a great season last year, but the magic that that defense and Benny Snell brought is completely left. Um, Arkansas is maybe, to me, the biggest project in the SEC, and Chad Morris is neck deep in it right now. Um, it's going to take a lot of work for them. Both teams have yet to get a conference win. Um, we know that the Cats have some playmakers, especially with Lynn Bowden Jr., and the game is in Lexington and at night. But for me, the, the scary fact is Terry Wilson is out, and then Sawyer Smith is dealing with a whole bunch of injuries um, from his shoulder to his wrist, and where Bob Stoop said a lower extremity issue, um, I think that's going to be a, a, a really hard hurdle for them to overcome. So if that happens, um, Stoop said that they would go back to Lynn Bowden Jr. as quarterback. So you're taking your best receiver out from out wide and then putting him in the backfield. I just think that's a little too much to overcome. Um, both teams have a lot of areas to improve. Uh a&M transfer, Nick Starkle, is, his QBR is only 48.5, and that's 48, excuse me, 87th in the nation, and he's only completing 70.7% of his passes, and he only has one touchdown versus conference teams. I know this is going to be hard. Despite all of that, I think Arkansas will break the 13-game SEC skid and actually come out with a win, and I think that they're going to get the cover. All right, Tyler, what's your take? It happens every single week. I have a game where I think I'm going to get some separation from everyone, and then you guys are <laughs> you guys are smart. You, you steal my thunder. But, Josh, you, I, I'm totally with you, man. Uh, that was an incredible breakdown. I'm totally with you on this one. Uh, it's two, honestly, two bad football teams, but I think they're two teams heading in different directions. I saw some life from Arkansas in that A&M game a couple weeks back before their bye week. In Kentucky right now, I think they're in danger of just imploding. I really do. Uh, since an encouraging first start against Florida, Sawyer Smith has fallen off the face of the earth. Uh, in his past two games against Mississippi State and South Carolina, it, guys, those team, those two teams are not particularly good football teams. But in those two games against those teams, he's 26 of 73, 35% passing, no touchdowns, two picks. I honestly don't know if you can put up worse numbers if you try. Like, that is ridiculous. Um, but he's all they have right now. He got hurt in South Carolina. Josh mentioned it. If he goes out, it's well, it's Lynn Bowden, the best receiver coming and playing quarterback, and that means you don't have your best receiver playing the position that he's actually best at. That's crazy. That's not good. Um, we don't really know who's a quarterback, who the quarterback's going to be for Arkansas. Uh, Starkle went out in that game against AM. I think he'll probably be back here. Ben Hicks was actually the starter to open the season. I really liked what I saw from him against uh, AM. He actually almost led them to victory in that game. And, and I know the Hogs lost to San Jose State. But I was really impressed, at least relatively speaking, by their performance against AM a few weeks back. If this was in Fayetteville, I wouldn't blink for a second. I would take the Hogs, no doubt. The fact that it's in Lexington at night gives me a little bit of pause here. But man, I just go, I watched every single snap of that a couple times actually getting ready for this South Carolina game that we're playing this week. I watched every single snap that Sawyer Smith took in that game. And that might have been the worst quarterback performance uh, I have ever seen in my entire life at the Power 5 level. I'm not even kidding. That's not hyperbole. It might have been the worst I've ever seen. Uh, and so until I see something different from him, I just cannot pick Kentucky, even against Arkansas. So give me the Hogs to pull the road upset. All right. The last game on our SEC slate this week is Mississippi State at Tennessee. The Bizarro Dogs are favored by seven on the road. Tennessee had one decent half of football last week, so there's that. But are they ready to get their first conference win of the year? I'm going to say no. 
So I'm picking Mississippi State, but I think that Tennessee will cover. Josh, what's your take? I think the state of Tennessee as a whole this year is not looking really good. And I think it's even worse for the balls because of the tradition and the expectations there. Tennessee is fighting and they're fighting really hard, but I think in almost every game they've played, they've been outmatched. Um, their offense barely has a heartbeat, and then the quarterback situation is confusing, just to say the least. Um, the balls are coming off a very hard loss to us. Um, I think we, Georgia, really took a lot of the life out of this stadium, and I don't know if it's going to be back this week. Um, for Mississippi State, Garrett Schrader is complete. His QBR is 71.3. And it's kind of hard to stop a quarterback that can fly like a helicopter. Um, I, Mississippi State is averaging um, is averaging 191.8 passing yards for 108th in the nation, but 206.2 rushing yards, which is 35th in the nation. Um, I think Mississippi State is a is a very balanced team. I don't think they're great, but I think they can actually come out and get a win with this one. Um, the fact that it's in Knoxville, I really don't think that's going to be a big part of it because Tennessee has so much going on right now. I, I don't know if home field advantage really is an advantage for them. I think um, Bully, the Mississippi State Bulldog, would be back at full health, and he's going to come to Rocky Top, and I'm expecting Mississippi State to get the win and to cover. All right, Tyler. Yeah, again, I'm with you, Josh. Uh, I, I will say I still think Tennessee is better than what their one in 4 record would suggest, or at least kind of like South Carolina, I think they have better players than their record would suggest. If this game was at night, I might lean more towards picking the upset. But, but Charlie, we were up there last weekend. How would you describe that town and vibe right now in Knoxville? That town up there? Yeah, how would you describe that? Flat. Flat? Yeah, dead. I mean, it was just a weird vibe. It's usually a place that has a lot of, like, it's kind of an electric environment for a college ball weekend. It was anything but that last weekend. There are plenty of empty seats last week at night with the number three team in America in that stadium. This one is at noon against Mississippi State. Just not going to be the wildest crowd in the greatest home foot advantage. I'm totally in agreement with Josh there. Uh, they're going to go with Maurer again, and he really didn't do anything great last week. Yeah, he had a couple plays in the first half. But really, everything he got was off a of bust on our part. That was us. It wasn't so much them. Now, he took advantage of it, so good for him. Um, Mississippi State, they're coming off a bye week. It's nothing you got to factor in here. Come off the bye week while Tennessee is coming off playing one of the most physical teams in America. State isn't great, but I just don't like the situation for the Vols. So I'm going to take the Bizarros to win and cover as well. All right. Let's head to South Florida where the 20th ranked Virginia Cavaliers are traveling to Miami to take on a hurricane team that is struggling to get its footing under first-year head coach Manny Diaz. Somehow, though, Miami is the two-point favorite in this one, which I just – I I, I don't I don't understand that. I get it. Um, I'm going to be picking Virginia to win and cover. Josh, what about you? Um. Contrary to popular opinion, the U is not back. I, I'm just <laughs> not seeing it. Agreed. Um, <laughs> Virginia is sitting high right now in the ACC with only one loss to a very good Notre Dame team. Um, both teams are allowing about 21 points a game. On paper, these teams seem to match well. Even the FBI, ESPN FBI gives Miami a 59.4 chance of winning. I myself just don't see it. Um, I think Bryce Perkins is playing okay. He's not lighting up the scoreboard or anything, but I think he's okay, and I think he's serviceable. Um, with the quarterback search, um, situation for Miami, um, Nikosi Perry will be starting. He came in last week, uh, went 28 for 47, 422 yards, four TDs, and one pick, but that plays right into Virginia's defense hand, which is currently ranked 20th in the country, allow only 184 yards per game through the air. I think this game to shake out to be really good. I don't understand how Miami is the two-point favorite. I think my excuse me, Miami will lose this one. Virginia will get the win and cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Yeah, I'm totally with you guys on this on this line. Like this is the weirdest line of the week to me. You got a four and one team whose only loss was on the road against a top ten Notre Dame team, and a game they actually led for most of the first half. And there's somehow an underdog against a two and three team that does not have a power five victory yet. I and I know that the odds makers in Vegas, they're smarter than me when it comes to stuff, but I just don't get this one. It's just to me, it's wildly disrespectful to Virginia. And no, Virginia does not play a sexy brand of football. And no, they probably don't have as much talent as Miami, 
But what they do have is they have a veteran, hard-nosed, well-coached, disciplined football team that will fight you for every single yard. I really like watching them play, even though it's kind of a throwback game every single week when they're out there. Uh, Josh mentioned it, Nicosi Perry is going to get the start for the Canes after coming in, throw for over 400 yards in relief of Jaron Williams last week. But guys, Miami's just not playing well right now. I'm with Josh. Like, they're they're not back. They are not. Uh, they A couple weeks back, they hung on for a 17-12 win over Central Michigan. And they just got beaten at home by what I think is a very bad Virginia Tech team. A Virginia Tech team I just got I, I just saw the week before get blown out at home by Duke. Uh, so I, I, I just really don't think Miami's that good right now. The Ozmakers are smart people, but I just feel like they're they're getting fooled by style of over substance in this one. So give me the who's to win and cover. It's a weird line for sure. All right. Next up is the second biggest matchup of the weekend as the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns square off in their annual tilt in Dallas. These two teams split a pair of games last year. OU has been the more dominant team this year, but Texas is the more battle-tested team. The line is pretty big for a rivalry game between two good teams as the Sooners are favored by 10 and a hook. I am going to pick Oklahoma to win and cover. Josh, what's your pick? Um, I agree with you, Charlie. This is going to be one of the biggest games this week. Um, I think it's an interesting matchup because Texas is a very disciplined and steady team, and OU is this higher-power offensive juggernaut. Um, Sam Ellinger against Jalen Hurts, this is a big game, and it will decide the Big 12. Um, To me, Hurts and Ellinger have similar stats while being two different quarterbacks. Um, I think that Texas is very methodical. Um, Air Force is the only team in the nation that converts more third downs than Texas. Texas has completed, um, converted rather, 58 of 33 third downs. That's 57% success. Um, I think that shows that this team is built to drive down the field um, as opposed to OU with this high-powered gash and um, big play offense. I think Kansas gave uh, the whole nation a blueprint on how to slow down Jalen Hurts. I think Kansas made him very uncomfortable, and I think Texas will try to copy some of that to get Jalen Hurts off his um, off his platform. The, the big deciding factor for me is OU's defense. They're only allowing 19 points a game, while Texas is allowing 26 points a game. I think Texas is going to fight and fight, but I think this game will be decided in the fourth quarter. I think Texas doesn't have the firepower to match up with OU, and I think OU is going to pull this one out. Um, it was hard for me to decide on this one, but I think OU will cover this one. All right, Tyler, you're up. Yeah, Josh, this is a tough one for me, too. I, it's a rivalry game. I, 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 they're different teams. You're totally right about that. But in a lot of ways, I think it's a pretty evenly matched game. I, I don't really know quite what to make of Oklahoma right now. Obviously, they are good. We know that. They've been putting up huge offense numbers. Among Power 5 teams, they're number one in both yards per pass and in yards per rush. So that's crazy when you're the most efficient team in the nation running the football and passing the football. That's uh, that's that's a pretty good starting point. And Texas, on the other hand, they're only 99th nationally in defensive efficiency. So on the surface, like that should be a major advantage for the Sooners. But, again, it's hard to tell because they have played nobody. It's just so tough to know how good they really are. Texas has not been as dominant. No, they have not. But they've actually been tested. They have, as Charlie mentioned a second ago. Uh, and I, I think both both teams have really good quarterbacks. I don't know who has the advantage. They're, they have a little bit of a different style. But they both can run the football. They both uh, use their legs to kind of create opportunities for them to throw the football down the field. I, but I do think Oklahoma has better skill talent around Hurts. To me, that might be the difference here. They have better skill talent around Hurts than Ellinger does. The guys like C.D. Lamb, Trey Sermon, Rambo. But Texas has a couple of guys, too. Um, and I really like how Sam Ellinger plays. He's a tough, gritty quarterback. I, I didn't like him so much last year in New Orleans, but I, I like watching this guy play. I, I think this is going to be a fun one, but at the end of the day, I, I'm going to go with Oklahoma because I think they should have a little bit more offensive firepower. I'm going to take them to win, but I do think this could be a close game. And, and it wouldn't shock me if the Horns were able to pull this one off. So give me Oklahoma to win, but I'll take Texas to cover. All right, moving to the Big Ten, our next game is Michigan State at number eight, Wisconsin. Sparty is heading to Madison as the 10.5-point underdog after their loss to Ohio State last week. Wisconsin has destroyed everyone not named Northwestern, but the Spartans can be stingy on defense. I am going to pick Wisconsin to win and cover. Josh, what's your take? Um, To me, Wisconsin looks like one of the bullies of the Big Ten. 
the Badger defense is only allowing 5.8 points per game so far. That's amazing. And allowing only 47.6 rushing yards. Their offense is scoring 43.4 points a game. And when you have a running back like Jonathan Taylor, it's kind of hard to bull against them. Um, this guy is a stud. He already has 12 touchdowns this year, averaging 7.2 yards a carry. Like two carries, this guy has a first down. Um, last week, he had five total touchdowns, one receiving, four rushing. Um, Wisconsin has other playmakers, but Jonathan Taylor is the lifeblood of this team. Michigan State is going to have their hands full with this one. Um, the problem for me is Sparty, even though they're a stingy defense, they're allowing just under 200 yards rushing per game. And then coming off a bad loss at the hands of J.K. Dobbins and Fields, I feel like Michigan State is going to be outmatched in their game. I think emotions are going to play a high part in this game. Um, I know that was a tough loss with this one. FBI only gives the Spartans 24.5% chance to win this game. Jake Cowan is completing 74.6% um, of his passes, but I just don't see how Michigan State can outlast a rushing attack that Wisconsin has. I'm going to take the Badgers to win this one and to cover. All right, Tyler, give us your pick. Yeah, uh, Michigan State, like they're they're okay. They they aren't a contender of any sort, and it's not just the Ohio State game. It's Arizona State. That was a really rough performance. Only being able to put a touchdown up on the board. Indiana, uh, two weeks ago, they they were actually trailing at points in that game, and were able to pull it out. But it was certainly tougher than it should have been. Northwestern a couple of weeks back also gave a little bit of trouble in that one. Uh, but Wisconsin, with that one exception, has just flat out demolished teams. And and Josh did a great job going through all the stats. I'm not going to waste anyone's time on that. He laid it out perfectly. Uh, but st- still saying that, I'm not I'm not entirely sold on the Badgers because I think they're very much a one-dimensional team. And, and I think it's it's an outstanding dimension. Do not get me wrong. Jonathan Taylor is a freaking stud. But I think eventually, at some point, that's going to hurt them. And maybe this is that game. I, I, I don't know, but it's certainly possible that Michigan State Demons is good enough to slow down a one-dimensional attack, which is one of the reasons I think it has so many issues with Ohio State because Ohio State can attack you in so many different ways. But at the end of the day, I just think Wisconsin is better. And they're at home. Camp Randall's a tough place to play. The Spartans are moving the ball better on offense than they have in a while. And Daryl Stewart, he's a true playmaker wide receiver for Sparty. But I just don't like this spot here, this being the second leg of a back-to-back row game scenario against two top ten teams coming off the game against Ohio State last week. So give me the Badgers to win. But you know what? I think Sparty's defense is good enough to at least cover this. I think their D can keep them uh, keep them in this enough against a one-dimensional Wisconsin offense, kind of keep Whiskey from uh, from pulling away. All right. Also in the Big Ten, we have an interesting matchup as the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions travel to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes. Penn State has been surging as of late and are the three-and-a-half-point road favorite in this one. However, I'm going to pick Iowa to win. Josh, what's your take? Um, I think Penn State is still missing um, the the loss of Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, and they're trying, they're trying to find a way – to replace all that production. Um, Iowa is coming off a game that, uh, frankly, had a lot of yawns in it that ended up in a 10-3 loss for them. Um, Iowa has a winning record, but they've only played one ranked team, and they struggled with them, and it's Michigan of all teams. I don't think the record is indicative of who they are. I think this this game will come down to who has the ball last. Um, I think Iowa is going to be a hard-nosed team, and I think they're going to stand up, but I don't think they'll be able to outlast Penn State. I'm going to take Penn State for the win. The cover was hard for me due to the fact that I really haven't seen both teams against quality opponents, but um, with the spread being what it is, I'm going to take Penn State for the win and the cover. All right, Tyler, give us your take. I like it, Josh. You know, after that mind-numbingly bad performance in Ann Arbor last week, I'm just not sure I can pick Iowa against anyone remotely good the rest of the way. It's just a bad, bad, bad performance. Maybe it was the anomaly. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But that was just a terrible performance. And on the other side, Penn State is surging. You're right, Josh. It hasn't been against anyone with much of a pulse. But they have beaten Maryland and Purdue, two Big Ten opponents, by, uh, by a combined total of 94 to 7 and outgained them by a combined total of 1,082 yards to 232 over the past two weeks. That's crazy. Uh, Sean Clifford is finding his footing at quarterback. I wasn't sure about him early on. The game against Pitt, he really struggled, but he's really kind of finding himself now. They got some playmakers like KG Hamler on the outside. They're emerging on offense. 
uh, Yator Gross Matos, Micah Parsons and company. Those guys are playing some really good defense at the moment. In Michigan last week, they, they were able to sack Stanley eight times. In the, but the Penn State defense, they've actually consistently been better and more disruptive than what Michigan's defense has. Right now, Penn State's fifth nationally in sacks per game. So Stanley, like he could be running again, running for his life again this week. So uh, this is another this is another game where if it wasn't at Iowa at night, I would not blink picking the Nittany Lions. But it is in Iowa City and it is at night. You know, it, it had to be a tough week of practice for Iowa, and they want to redeem themselves after last week's performance. But still, I'm going to go with what my eyes have told me in the past couple of weeks, and that is simply that Penn State's the better football team. So give me the Nittanys to win and cover the three and a half. Finally, and the only game that really matters to all of us, our Georgia Bulldogs are the 24 and a half point home favorite over Will Muschamp's South Carolina Gamecocks. We closed with the backdoor cover last week in Knoxville with the sack heard around the world, but it is another big line this week, and it's a little too big for me to go with, so I'm going to pick Georgia to win, but South Carolina is going to cover. Josh, what do you think? You're a hater. Well, you know what? I was wrong last week. Maybe we'll cover. I'm I'm okay with being wrong. So, Josh, (laughs) what's your take? Um, This game is uh, very exciting for me. Um, I don't like the noon kickoff. I feel like we should have had a primetime spot, um, even though it's Carolina, but um, it is what it is. this game is intriguing because I want to see the players. Uh, I want to see more of our depth. I think this game is going to be similar to the game last week. I think uh, since South Carolina's coming off a bye, they they had an extra week to prepare for us. They're going to come out swinging, but I think this game will be over in the third quarter. Um, Kalinsky, I think he's a good quarterback, but I think he's ahead of his time right now. I don't think he's ready. Um, so that means that Carolina's going to lean um, Rico Dado and Feaster. I, I just I think it plays into our hand with our defensive matchups. We're we have very very stout um, defensive alignment, and I think that running attack is not going to be able to stand long against us. I don't think that um, Carolina has the defense to handle our rushing attack. Um, I'm expecting Swift to have a, a breakout game and then go to the sideline. Um, I think uh, our defense is really going to clamp down this week. We're only allowing 59.6 rushing yards a game. And the FPI is even giving us an 89.1% chance to win the game. Uh, I think it's higher than that. Uh, I I really don't see a way that Carolina matches up for us. I think we will have a comfortable victory with this one, but I don't think we will cover the spread. I know Kirby, um, he he has a good relationship with Muschamp. Uh, I saw it firsthand. Um, when they were both on the recruiting trail for Jordan Birch, and uh, you can see the camaraderie there. And I think I don't think Kirby wants to make a statement with this game. I think he's going to get up, get a lead, and uh, just coast on out with this one. I think this one plays into our hands perfectly. We get the win, but we don't cover. All right, Tyler, give us your pick. I totally agree with you about Will and Kirby, uh, Josh. Kirby is not going to run the score up on Mushroom. I said this last year going to that game in, in Columbia. Unless it's just kind of an organic thing, he is not going to actively try to run the score up. I totally agree with that. Uh, but looking at this game, you know, like Tennessee last week, based on the rosters, this should not be a game at all. It really should not be. But that game in Knoxville, even though it shouldn't have been a game, it was somehow a game for nearly a full half of football. And, and the situation surrounding this game is at least, the very least, mildly concerning for me. We've got South Carolina coming off the bye, which I always think is a huge advantage for anyone. Uh, it is the noon start, like Josh mentioned, which usually means a sleepy crowd, a late-arriving crowd. So, guys, if you're going to the game, get there early and be loud. And like Tennessee, I think the Gamecocks are going to come in loose. they got nothing to lose in this game. No one expects anything from them. So they're going to go out there and play hard and just let it hang. Uh, but as Curtis and I laid out in our preview episode yesterday, basically every single matchup in this game favors us. If we lose, which is always possible, but if we lose, it's going to be because we did it to ourselves with penalties, turnovers that set up easy scores, poor special teams plays, those kinds of things. It's going to be about us. So if we come out there and do our thing, we should be fine. Statistically, and I said this on the preview show yesterday, what they do best offensively is run the football. But on the other hand, statistically, what we do best defensively 
is stop the run. We're fifth nationally right now, giving them only 59 yards a game. So I think the key is going to be stopping the run with our front six without having to roll our safeties down in the box. Because what that's going to allow us to do is provide help over the top to try to take away Brian Edwards, who, in my opinion, is their biggest playmaker offensively. Right now, they throw a lot of short passes with a true freshman quarterback. So I expect us to play a lot of press man on the outside to take that away. And if we're able to play those looks with a two-deep safety shell, some cover two under there, we will also be able to likely protect against any potential vertical shots. Hopefully, Jordan Davis is healthy enough to play in this one and play well because he's obviously a big part of holding their ground game in check with our front six. He's a big part of that. Uh, and, and Helensky, at quarterback, he's been good at times. He, and he's a physically gifted player. But he's also a true freshman. He's been very up and down. Uh, I would say it will probably take his very best game for them to have a chance to beat us. But on the other hand, this will also be the most hostile environment he has faced today. Really the first truly hostile road start. His only other road start against Missouri, he went 13-30 and for 166 yards and a 100-yard pick six to kind of change the game there. Uh, and, and for us, I think the formula in this one will be the same that it, that it typically is. It will be the same formula we saw last week against Tennessee. We're going to kind of pound our heads against the wall of defenders for a half or so before our superior depth, our strength along the offensive line there in the trenches is going to take over and wear them down the second half where we start to just bite off chunk after chunk after chunk. So I really do think this could start out like that Tennessee game last week. South Carolina, look, they're going to be jacked up, guys. They're going to be motivated, got nothing to lose. It is that noon start for us with a sleepy crowd. They're coming off the bye. I expect them to have a good game plan on both sides of the ball. And, and we're going to likely have to make some adjustments, kind of like we did against Notre Dame. But I think we're going to prove to be too much as the game wears on. And I think we're going to pull away in the second half. That's kind of what we do. That's our formula. That's who we are. So give me the dogs to win. You know what? We kind of sweat this one out last week. But I'm going to say give us the cover as well. We're going to pull out another backdoor cover late. But you're um, right. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous on that because of the whole Muschamp Kirby relationship. That does make me nervous. But I think uh, we're going to be just a little bit too much in the second half. And if it happens organically, that's the only way it's going to happen. But yeah, give me my dogs. I'll take them. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us today. Josh, my man, we cannot thank you enough. Like we've had a, we've had a lot of really good guest hosts, but dude, you are right up there at the top of the heap. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much. That means a lot. I know you were nervous, man, but you had, obviously had no reason you, to be nervous. You did not sound nervous at all. Have you done this before? <laughs> I've never done this. I practiced a little bit, but I've never done it. I've, I'm just now getting over the butterfly. That was a great job, man. Charlie and I were actually like writing notes back and forth to each other, like, oh my God, like, why was he nervous? This guy's incredible. So uh, thank you. We really, really, really do appreciate it. And thank, thank you to all, everyone out there listening in. Uh, we appreciate everyone's support. We really do. We'll be back next week, so make sure to check all that out. I have a lot of content for you guys next week heading into the Kentucky game. But for Charlie, for Josh, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.